connects a Goya painting? Meat and horny, horny vibes. Uh, it's Beastars. <laughs> Welcome to Empty the Cues. It's a podcast in which I, Will Williams, introduce my friends to uh, things I've seen that, that they haven't and I like them and they don't know yet. And it's not a po- they're and they're not podcasts. This is we talk about TV shows instead of podcasts. This is the Beastars track. Um, this is where I talk to my good friend David Reinstrom about Beastars. If you haven't watched Beastars, you should probably watch it before you listen to this. Uh, because there are dings, and the dings mean if David is right or wrong about things that are spoilery. So, uh, a ding, ding, ding. That's a thing. Um, that's not our jingle and should never be. So, this... Uh, <laughs> So this conversation got kind of wild, uh, as is uh, as happens with me and David. Um, David and I love to talk about philosophy and shit. So yeah, there's a lot of talk about philosophy and shit in this conversation about the the horny furry anime on Netflix. Um, so uh, we started this conversation by talking about uh, David was telling me about a tofu press that he got. He has been making his own tofu, and you will see how. That- Segways into this first episode. So enjoy. Um, so I will uh, refine my technique. I think it's really interesting, Will, that we're talking about meat. I know we're not like I know we wow, haven't started. Yeah. Wow. But <laughs> but it is it is curious to me that that there's a part of you, some atavistic part of you that still craves <laughs> flesh. I think I with that, down. let's fucking have, get yeah. started. <laughs> <laughs> so, <sighs> this was our first yeah. episode of Beastars. Before we even go into, like, you know, breaking down what actually happened in the episode, because a lot happened in this episode. Yeah, um, yeah how did you... I want to hear your thoughts on, like, you know, the tone the characters and like the pacing how how do you feel about this first episode i i have to tell you i don't know what i was expecting like i had a series of expectations and none of them were met like everything that this show yep. did it did orthogonally to my expectations and i don't mean that i was like disappointed by anything i just wasn't expecting right. any of the the style decisions that were made i watched it with my wife um and jillian loves BoJack Horseman more than anything. Uh, and she found Mood? this like completely creepy and off-putting. She was like, David, why are why do they have people hands? And I was like, BoJack has people hands. And she said, it's different. It is different. It is different. Their hands are, they're so, the fingers are so long. Mm-hmm. And articulated. Yeah. And like, yes. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, I think that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, this show is like, dripping with style choices Mm -hmm. which is one of the things i love most about it like anything there are like plenty of scenes that are totally normal but anything that's like really emotionally important they do something fascinating with it yeah like just from the very beginning you have that like Mm -hmm. dark vision almost wireframe depiction of tem uh how how spoilery do we get in these as spoilery as we okay. want, we go into assuming that the person who has listened also just watched. Awesome. Sorry, yeah. we, we, you and I were talking about this earlier. It's been so long since we recorded the first like episode zero, 
Uh, And I've been waiting so patiently to watch episode one that, what did I say? I was like the little, the little kid in the marshmallow In the marshmallow experiment. experiment. Just like sitting there for three months like, oh, something good's going to happen when I get to eat these marshmallows. When Will comes back. Yeah, trying really hard to not eat something. (laughs) Oh, everything comes back to that. I wrote so many florid (laughs) notes on my phone for this shit. Um. Like speaking of the yeah, of the wireframe yeah. of the wireframe of Tem just before his murder when the lights oh, go off. Yes. Um and at the very end of episode one, uh, where Legoshi gets the the scent of Haru and I wrote uh, mm-hmm. wireframe and cutaway shots, colon, desire suddenly burns through his synapses in a sudden fit of atavism. What, what is wrong with me? Y- yep. But you are right, though. Right. Um, <laughs> and I, I could absolutely see that being exactly how they wrote it in the script. <laughs> it's, it, it was, that was very satisfying, like, how I understood that, like, how... Yes. How efficiently that information was transmitted by the animators to my me, uh, because he inhales that kind of uh, purple scent aura of Haru. And then as it makes its way into his like limbic system, because it kind of coils around the lower part of his brain, it doesn't touch the higher parts of a brain. It's t- it just touches his like hind brain, literally his animal mm-hmm, brain. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, humans mm-hmm. are animals. Let's not, you know, noodles um, for sure. Sorry, I should I should explain noodles because I just learned about this the other day. My friend Zev, who is an animator, uh, has this. Oh, he's gonna be so mad that I'm like already stealing this and using it in a thing. When you <laughs> when you are talking with someone who understands you, and you know that they know that you know, you can just sort of like begin to establish something and then say noodles. Like we got it. Let's move on. Yeah, legit. Yeah. Um, Zev, if you're listening, I ho- I hope I did it right. Um. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So he inhales the the scent of the thing, and then it goes, it wraps around his like hindbrain, uh, and then turns into like embers. It goes, it goes from this this purpley smoke or this purpley like perfume gas, and then it turns into little red speckles. And those little red speckles suddenly yes. flash to the interior of his nervous system, and all of a sudden, this like. Oh, God, what do you call it? This action potential, like, races down the axons of his, like, of his nervous system and just goes, and his whole body lights up as though, like, his veins are on fire. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I like the show. It's so good. Yeah. I'm glad. Okay, yeah. let's go ahead. I'm glad you recommended this show to me. I, <laughs> yes, I think that it's absolutely a show you and this show make sense together right. in my head uh and i'm thrilled that you are into the first episode i will say like it was also not what i was expecting mm-hmm. um for a lot of different reasons and the animation initially the fact that it's 3d mm-hmm. like the fact that it's like cg and it's not just flat animation totally threw me i had never really seen anything animated like that before and at first i was like this is weird and it makes me feel a uh, strange brain but i think that's the idea right uh, or is it y- yeah yes uh and i think you know by the end of the first episode i felt like i i felt like i totally got it and got why they used that choice like why they used that instead of flat flat animation would you like to hear the first yeah. note that i wrote 
Please. The first note that I wrote was, <clears throat> get over yourself, shitbird. A man has died. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is the moment where, sorry, is the, is the, um, the lady, the lady sheep or the lady alpaca, is her name Els? Is that Els? Els, so, yes. So when, um, when Legoshi gives Tem's love letter to Els and then he kind of like, soft boy sad boy like slinks away not accepting her apology saying oh you get used to feeling guilty i'm already used to feeling feared and loved and i'm like oh my god like there's a dead (laughs) your friend is dead like can we you are centering yourself away he has been at can we not yeah (laughs) could you he has not just been like normal dead not normal dead He, he got like Full on, full on, eaten, murdered. Like that is, that's a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Els, come on. And honestly, everyone, come on. Yeah. So before that, though, mm. I really want to talk about this intro scene yes. because watching it again, and especially watching it after I have now read, I'm almost like caught up on the manga, which probably will take me past season two. Okay. Of the show. Um, so it was really wild going back and watching this. So it opens with this super dramatic, super stylistic um, depiction of first uh, Legoshi looking full on predator with red eyes. Um, and then there is a blood red moon. And then it transitions to us seeing the night that Tem was murdered, which is when we get this this sort of blue outline. So we have this like red and blue uh, counterpoint, mm-hmm. which is so gorgeous. I really, this time around, I'm appreciating the lighting in this show. The lighting is so fuck wild. Much. It's like it's always phenomenal. the golden hour or it's midnight. Yes. <laughs> I'm not complaining. Yes, exactly. I, I, it's gorgeous. I appreciate that that's something that you can do in animation is make it whatever time of day you need as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, living by the dictates of the sun um, in a live action piece. But, yeah, I think I already know who the murderer is. I think. Oh, Really? I think. And maybe I'm just saying this to, like, engineer a beep or a, you know, moment. Um <laughs> But I think just based on, so I know it's not Legoshi, or I, I'm going to say, wait, right. wait, it's not Legoshi. Wait, ah, but I want to listen to the episode. Okay, whatever. Uh, I think it's the time. I'll give you a ding for that okay. one. I, it's- like, I, I don't even think th- that the show wants you to think that it even could have been. Right. So I think that you're okay I mean, the there. snout is completely different. The shape, his ears, he's got little wolfy ears. And the, I think mm-hmm. the murderer is the tiger. And I don't remember his name. But in episode zero, you showed me like a really bulky tiger dude, and he had just sort of like a round face and round ears, uh, and like very dis- and like a very distinctive upper body carriage. Um, so uh, to me, I think that is the person that ate Tim. Obviously, you don't have to. I don't want you to tell me. I don't want to know. Ugh, and I guess this means sure. I can't listen to this episode, which. You certainly can. Uh, puts me in the same boat as Caroline re, uh, re-Avatar, which is fine. Yeah. It's fine. I don't even yeah. care. Um, I guess none of us can listen to our own tracks, right? No, really only like Pepito could with Community. But even then, Agony. like there's some. 
there's some wild shit that happens in community, especially like if he ever talks about ships, like Lord knows he can't <laughs> listen because uh, everything happens all the time. Sure. When I first watched, I didn't know uh, whether to take the silhouette of the murderer literally. Okay. Um, I won't say whether or not I should have. Um, but my first thought when seeing it was like, this is, this is just predator. Like this is, this is carnivore. I see. You know? Um, but yeah, I won't tell you whether or not it is to be taken literally. Um, one of the things in this, in this sequence that I caught this time that I thought was fascinating is that for, for just one shot, it's behind Tem, um, looking towards the, the murderer, uh, instead of being animated, Tem is like fluff, like actual, like real life fluff what? that they probably would have used. Like a photograph? Yes. Or like a, like uh, a, like a filmed moving image of fluff? Yes. Yeah. As though he were, um, stop motion in like put over the animation oh um the reason it made me think of the stop motion was because you didn't i don't think that you got it in this episode which sucks but the intro um like the intro credits yeah, there isn't one are stop motion. oh cool yeah um i'll try to find that frame for you because i saw it for a second and i like gasped <laughs> i thought it was just brilliant it's the kind of thing where like the focus isn't even on Tem. It's Tem looking at the doorway where the predator is. Your focus is obviously there, but if you if you think to look at Tem, it's completely different texture, like completely completely different style. And I loved that. I loved that. Like the show is so filled with tiny details that I think are phenomenal. Sure. No, it's a very it's a very thoughtful show and maybe this is a more obvious one but yes. like when when tem turns on the projector by accident or when he steps on the projector the the lecture going on behind him is very ironic and humorous i mean it's it's on the nose but i think it's yeah. fun for like an opening sequence to be like relations oh, between sure, predator sure. and prey species yeah definitely on the nose and sometimes b stars does get that way for sure mm-hmm. um but I think that it mixes on the nose with more subtle discussions really well. And I think that's part of why it's, like, persuasive, mm. like, successfully persuasive, um, because I, th- I think that it really meets the audience where they are, no matter where they are. Like, it can have the discussions it wants to have with people, kind of regardless of how used how used to analyzing media they are Mm -hmm. so then we get to the intro with uh this group of uh female herbivores um and they're talking about tem's murder um and they talk about how the drama club is known for having friendships between carnivores and herbivores and this is the first time that we get a mention of lagoshi because one of them is like oh isn't there that that scary big gray wolf in drama and they all just kind of chatter. And Els is, if I remember correctly, part of this group. And she looks pretty yeah. distraught. Um, I want to ask you about uh, the the groups of animals. Because this group was weird. 
uh, <laughs> it was like an alpaca mm-hmm. and something else and like a toucan. Um, were you expecting birds and shit? I was not expecting birds and shit. I also wasn't expecting, like, in the in the showdown sequence in the drama club mm. when, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when the, the teacher advisor comes in to be like, oh, I have some news for everybody that you already knew about, like, six hours ago. I'm useless. Um, <laughs> there was, like, on the on the prey side, there was, like, a, a, bam, a, a baboon or... Um, or a mandrill, and on the predator side there was a hippo, and that was like yeah. I was like, what? Well, why? I mean, I understand that hippos are extremely dangerous, and they'll fuck you up, right. but they don't eat meat. And mandrills right. hunt. I thought people still look at a hippo, and if they know anything about hippos, they're gonna go, what? Whoa, that dude's gonna crush <laughs> me. This is a yeah, this is danger time. <laughs> Can I read you an, an excerpt from my Dangerous Animals book? You knew I wrote a Dangerous Animals book, please. right? Please. Yes, 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 please. So, uh, I, I I sometimes write these these books for Scholastic, <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, these uh, book fair books. Uh, and I did mm-hmm. one that was called Animal Attack, a Wildlife Survival Guide. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so the hippo, my hippo entry has um, it has four symbols in the legend. It's got large, aquatic, bitey, and and powerful. Uh, and it says, <laughs> oh yeah, they only eat grasses in the wild, so what's the deal with the huge predatory looking canines? The short answer is, hippos are mean. They use their big sharp teeth <laughs> to battle for dominance within their own pods and defend off those predators foolish enough to think they could snatch a baby hippo. See, and this is exactly it. <laughs> Well, because they're mean, David, or so people think. So, I mean, this this (laughs) perception, uh, like this sorting animals by perception leads me into what I assume is going to be one of the big touchstone themes of Mm. Beastars, which is role or like roles Mm. more broadly, because I don't I don't know that the metaphor would be as like coherent if there weren't also this element of the theater club underneath it, mm-hmm. right? Because when Rui is introduced, Lagoshi in voiceover says, like, this guy is always aware of his presentation. He's always aware of how he's being perceived. Uh, and there are a bunch of different characters that keep on reiterating throughout this first episode, you know, what they expect their role to be. Uh, the Harlequin rabbit, whose name I don't remember, who, um, you know, bullies Haru talks about like her ex-boyfriend being a, a member of this other endangered you know they're both part of this endangered harlequin rabbit species um mm-hmm. and there's all sorts of like uncomfortable undertones of like racial purity but like this this notion yeah. that like it is my role it is my destiny to be with him and because because he assaulted you and we broke up that's your fault Rui is kind of like a species essentialist, so is the Harlequin Rabbit. Everyone's mm, preoccupied mm-hmm. with roles within the broader culture, within the drama club. Like, Lagoshi defends Rui from Kai, who is, I think, a Pine Martin, maybe? Um, yeah, I believe so. By saying, like, he is an actor. We have to protect the actors. You know, like, it's a, it's a, mm-hmm. I want to call him a roadie, but he's a, he's a techie. He's a, it's like a theater tech's job to protect the leading man. You know, can't mm-hmm. have anything happen to that beautiful face 
because the show is soon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's let's hop back in summary because yeah. I want to hit some of these as they come because they all so much tie into what you're saying. So after the intro and everything, and after that group, um, we get Lagoshi gives the love letter that was from Tem to Els that Tem was too afraid to give. At which point Els is like, "Hey, I'm really sorry. I said all that racist shit about you." And uh, Lagoshi is like, I deserved it. I'm bad. Yep. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, which uh, <laughs> you will find is a, a recurring thing with with our dear Lagoshi. Uh-huh. Um, uh, is this then... what I'm like? Is this when I was like, uh, I'm bad because I'm a man? Were you like, shut up, Lagoshi? Is that no? <laughs> because. No, because I was also like, this is my sweet friend, David, who I love very yes. much. Is Lagoshi perhaps a bad faith hyperbole of you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he isn't not. Yeah. Well, I'm pleased to say, knock on wood, Kanahora, pui pui. Uh, I think for the time being, given the like existential crisis we find our culture in, I've kind of worked past all of my... Uh-huh. Self-pitying man feelings and devoted myself to being actually useful for fucking change. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure Felt. that if ever again we we find ourselves in a place of peace, I'll get back to that. Uh, no, I don't want to wish that. Uh, I was going to say get back to that place yeah, of no. like awful self-pity Absolutely hatred. Um, but I but I like I completely <laughs> understand why why you recognized that this show would resonate with me because I think that Lagoshi is like a portrait of my worst self. So then uh so then we get uh Lagoshi goes to Tem's kind of like uh little memorial shrine shrine yeah. memorial yeah which is literally the doors to the auditorium where Tem got murdered um that are closed off with caution tape and then in front of it is just all of these pictures of him and flowers and like little stuffed animals which is just so fucking sad. It's so sad. Uh, that, like, it I, it really didn't hit me how sad just that image was. And then as Lagoshi is mourning his, like, one of his closest friends, in comes Rui. And David, I need to know your first thoughts on this this uh fancy dear my sweet will i'm so glad you asked what i wrote down was Rui sucks (laughs) i can already tell (laughs) motherfucker did not even need to speak and i knew yep he just he walks in and you're like oh because because the the expression that he was wearing was one of like presentational sanctimonious grief you know, absolutely, like, mm, absolutely. Oh, I'm so sad that what's his name is dead. Lagoshi, come here. I need you. You know, like it was that kind of yep, like seriously. I'll tell you my note about him just to give us another uh-huh, please. ding or buzz opportunity. But he seems so so fascinated by like policing the the boundaries um, in between species and in between. Like the prey, predator. If he were a human being, I think he would be a phrenologist. Like, he would be like, Mm -hmm. oh, yes, Lagoshi, it is so interesting that even you cannot resist showing your teeth to avoid confrontation. You know? 
He's he's just very like interested in the what he perceives as the essentialist as the like essentialized characteristics of each. Um, But if he were like a like a Wilsonian eugenicist. Like from the twentieth mm-hmm, century, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he'd be like, "Ah, yes, Lagoshi. Why you're a Caucasoid? Let me measure your skull, and why that indicates, you know, yeah. uh, your your aptitude. You're going to be a mechanic, you know." Absolutely, uh, and that gets, I think, more and more intense as the show goes in, like very, very fascinating mm. ways. Um, that, yeah, this the Olive B stars struck me even more eugenicsy. Uh, on this run, um, at least with this first episode, especially as we meet Mizuchi, who is the Harlequin Rabbit. So, yeah. Um, so in this next section, we get introduced proper to Haru. And we get introduced to her because a bunch of mean girls who are her roommates uh, just, just, like, throw her shit out the window down like several floors onto her and her flowers. Like they are just being absolutely fucking ruthless. And they throw her mattress down. Yeah. Um I have a, which is like huge. And she is a bunny. She's a little bunny. The long shot of Haru dragging it across campus kind of felt like that mm-hmm. walk of shame shot mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. of someone returning to their dorm after having illicit sexual activity. Um, and now it's just here's this obvious like everybody knows Haru you sleep mm-hmm. around and whether or not that's like true you know what are the what is that like the aardvark or something offers to help carry it and his buddy's like oh no dude that's Haru and he's like oh sorry any pieces yeah like literally in front of mm-hmm. her this this aardvark or anteater or some such comes up to Haru and says like hey I'll help you carry that um, and then his his friend just in front of her is like, hey, uh-uh, she's the gross girl, get away from her. Like, it's so, it's so both, <laughs> like, ethically repulsive to uh-huh. me. Um, and also, like, I think that pretty much everyone who is perceived femme has experienced something like this um, to some degree. Uh, it's the worst. It <laughs> seems she's just right there. Yeah, and she is just so she's so resigned and so like tired. Yeah. This whole sequence. She isn't really hurt too much. She is just she's like almost bored with it. Do you think the Aardvark's opener to her was a come on? Absolutely. Because he was 100%. like Oh, rabbit beds mm-hmm. are so small. And yes, like the and <laughs> Do you remember this is this is this is a grossly politically incorrect uh, comparison to draw? Do you remember Triumph, the insult comics dog? Oh God, who yeah. Ended Why? What? Every, who ended every locution with "for me to poop on"? Right? I hear. Yeah. I'm, I I don't know if this is going to hold true, but like the subtext of every man in this show talking to Haru to me is that he says something, and then the unspoken like finisher to the line is for me to fuck you know like yeah that's literally that's like where i assumed everything was so it's like the triumph like try to fuck a rabbit dog 
Oh, I hope none of my students ever, none of, none of the learners ever find this podcast. <laughs> if you Hi, read co-workers. Uh, David's book fair book, you're it's illegal for you it to listen. It is illegal to for you to listen to this show. <laughs> so then we meet Mizuchi, who is this Harlequin rabbit, um, and we find out that she is currently furious with Har- with Haru because Haru uh, kissed her. Boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, whatever. Um, and Haru, like a total badass, is like, uh, maybe instead of wasting your time on me, you should be talking to him. Uh, also, he kissed me. It was a tiny peck. Uh, and if he's, like, losing his shit over that, like, I wouldn't want to be with him anyway. Why do you? Um, and Mizuchi's response is basically to say, like, and she says this phrase spe- specifically, that they are a well-bred couple. Ugh. They are, yeah, they are two members of an endangered species, which means that if they were to get together and get married and have babies, like, that is a huge clout thing. That is a, a huge, people would see it as, like, as one proof that, like, these are the relationships that we should be having. And two, uh, as though they are doing something for the greater good because, they are keeping their species pure. Uh, you know what I think? Yucky. About that. <laughs> is that your babies are going to be hecking inbred? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, so, yuckaroni. And then they throw a bunch of water on her and she has to go dry herself off in the bathroom. Everyone is fucking awful to Haru and it's it's the worst. It's so sad. Like, she, in, in, <laughs> In standard fashion, uh, when someone when when someone cheats on someone else, no matter what, the like quote unquote other woman is always blamed. I knew it. Um, there's a a double standard that runs through everything that makes it so that you know the men are never blamed for anything. The men are never held accountable for anything. It's just her. So then after Haru's sequence, we get back to uh, Rui. And at this point, he is uh, he's in the drama club. Um, yeah. Um, Everybody sucks. Yeah, what did you take away from this this wild scene with Rui and the goat and, uh, and Kai? I was involved in, like, student theater in college, and it was extremely laid back compared to this. <laughs> uh, that's what I thought. I was like, God damn. Like, again, a man has died. A nice little llama man. Yeah, yeah I think mm-hmm. Rui's Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Where? I do often refer to him as an incel. <laughs> uh, I, I get the strongest incel vibes off of him. Mm. Uh which is obviously uh, terrifying, just terrifying. Um, I, I, one of the things that I think about Beastars that is really interesting is I went into it with um, like a fairly, I went into it with the expectation of reading it as queer theory. Mm. And I think that when it comes to the discussion of roles and deviation outside the roles, like that's where Beastars like that's where I resonate with B stars on such a fundamental mm-hmm. level. Um, I watched B stars when consuming a lot of media that criticizes um, respectability politics, um, 
this idea that essentially marginalized people, but for the sake of this argument, um, because it's the lens I'm seeing it through, queer people, like visibly queer people, have to act, operate, and create in ways that are respectable by the status quo to be given any sort of respect. Um, And I think in that reading, this discussion sets up so much of that terrifying microscope that the status quo puts on, you know, again, in this discussion, queer people, um, and how how pervasive it is and how incredibly justified it feels. Like, Rui is so phenomenally confident in his beliefs. And he is also rewarded for these beliefs. He is this high-status upperclassman who everyone loves. And I think to some degree he's he's hiding the darkest parts of himself from people. He's like a but I think to human a, rights campaign white cis gay. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. What do you think his upbringing was like? So I think he's kind of a a silver spoon kind of deer. Mm. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe one of the secrets is that he does come from nothing and that's why he is so fiercely convinced of the idea of, like, a meritocracy uh, because he was mm-hmm. plucked from obscurity. I don't know. I think we could go two diametrically opposite ways with this character. And one is that he is this child of privilege that has never had to think about the systems that have granted him power. Or he is not a child of privilege, presents as a child of privilege because he keenly understands the systems of power that he has to master and... uh and work within as an actor. And to me, that latter explanation seems more compelling. Like, if I got to, excuse me, write, run the zoo and write the show, um, that's <laughs> that's the direction that I would, would that seems more, if you said, you know, he's, you said he has a secret, that's the, the, the path that seems more dramatically compelling to me, um, is if he understands right. the, the currents that he swims in rather than just sort of being passively carrying carried along by them or passively trying to uphold um those the the status quo i think i want to hit that analysis as we actually get to the episode that goes into this concept more um because there's a lot to pick oh there's so much in this show Um, will yeah i know it's so good (laughs) so let's let's get to this uh final uh bonkers bonkers the final scene yeah. So Lugoshi has to be a lookout while Rui and Zoe, and Zoe is the person who's actually taking over Tema's position, um, while they're doing secret after hours practice, um, Lugoshi has to stake out and make sure that none of the like teachers or, you know, whatever are going to find out that they're there. While he's there, he smells a smell. It's a bunny. The bunny's Haru. And Lugoshi... Uh, Run and do a pounce. Do a pounce. But there's a lot more. There's a lot more here. So what what stuck out to you most about this scene? Because I, I know there's like a ton going on. So the thing that I keep thinking about, the thing that I keep coming back to, is that he comes out of that tackle pounce, holding Haru, cradling her in his arms, and biting his own arm. It yes. looks like his. I didn't know if you're going to oh, notice. Oh, I that. noticed it, and the first thing I thought of was that <laughs> Stephen Crane poem in the desert. 
Do you know that? I don't oh, know it. Can I can no. I read it to you? Please, 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 please. In the desert, I saw a creature, naked, bestial, who, squatting upon the ground, held his heart in his hands and ate of it. I said, is it good, friend? It is bitter. Bitter, he answered. But I like it because it is bitter and because it is my heart. Oh. I thought of that poem yeah. and I thought of the uh, the Goya painting. Um, what is it yes. called? Sorry. Eating his uh, own son. What is it? Saturn devouring Saturn his son. His own. Uh, those were the yes. two things that I thought of was that Stephen Crane poem and Saturn devouring his own son by Francisco Goya. Um, yes, absolutely. Just like this, like abjectness uh, of him realizing, oh, I've just done a bad, I uh, just did a bad thing that, and then uh-huh. like kind of sitting with that <laughs> and being like, oh, I'm real bad. Uh, I'm gonna redirect the. I'm going to redirect the destructive desire that I felt towards Haru into my own person. I'm going to mm-hmm. channel the desire to do a chomp on this sexy, tasty bun. I'm going to channel that into my own body and like perform self-harm in order to protect this person. So what do you think their next step is going to be? Because they're currently in this situation. Where do you think it's going to go from here? Like, if you were going to directly start episode two, exactly where we left off episode one, what do you think is the next step? Um, I think I would try to generate as much, like, tension, conflict, and misunderstanding as possible. And I would have Haru suddenly come mm-hmm. to her senses, uh, kick Lagoshi in the genitals and bound away on her powerful rabbit legs. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, like, nobody bothers to explain anything to the other. They're just like, oh, instant, immediate, mutual distrust. Uh, That has to be Mm. worked through. But I don't know. At the same time, she kind of, she ran, but she was initially sort of like, oh, let him take me. Let him eat me. Yeah. Oh, my God. We have to talk about 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 that. Because this is another huge thing. There is, this is the, the first instance of us seeing a complete disconnect between Haru's mind and her body. So in her oh, mind, hey, she's she dissociating. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also like like Lagoshi's body takes over. Haru's body, body takes over in the opposite mm-hmm. way. She starts to run away while also thinking like, just, just fucking eat me. <laughs> But then she thinks that she hopes that as she dies, this predator understands that she did have a reason to run and a reason to try to survive, whether or not. Like, she hopes that at least her death may show this predator that prey animals, like, are worthwhile and are people, basically, Um it's not really for her own self. It's not her trying to say, I matter. It's her trying to say, like, we matter as a demographic. I hope that you at least learn that by my death. Mm-hmm. Um, which is sad. <laughs> it's uh, it's so sad. That's so goddamn sad. Yeah. And that's that on that. 
Next week, we'll be talking about The Good Place again, season one, episode two, this time with Gavin and Ellie. So join us back for that. And if you want, if you want to, you can. And you can find us on social media at Empty Cues Pod, and you can find us at EmptyTheCues.wordpress.com. Um, that's where you can find us. Okay, I'll talk to you later. This isn't a phone call. Bye! <laughs>